0: You're grabbing a handout for today. That's got the discussion questions on the back. Uh, great. Today, as I mentioned, today we are beginning a new four-week sermon mini-series. Now, we spent 34 weeks in Hebrews. We're only going to spend four weeks on this, this topical series, but it's a really important series. We, we used to do commitment classes. Before that, we called them membership classes. We had done those up until the beginning of last year, right before COVID started. And um, We wanted to do that, but universally for all our people and for new people, visitors, but regular attenders, people who have already gone through a membership process. And so we decided, why not just turn this into a four-week mini-series? So that's what we're starting today. And uh, we're going to be looking at the purpose and the importance of the church. Now, over the next three weeks, today and and, and the next two Sundays that are coming up, we're going to answer some really important questions related to the church. What is the church, for instance? we're going to talk about that today. How should the church look and what should the church be doing? What what is doing church supposed to look like? And then on that fourth week, uh, uh, I believe that's the 10th of October, we're going to look at the purpose and importance of church membership in particular. Uh, And that'll be a good one. And that'll be the fourth week and that'll round out our series. So our ultimate goal, you need to hear this in this four-week sermon mini-series, our ultimate goal is to better be the church that Christ desires. Better be the church that Christ desires. And each week, we'll look at the sermon topics more closely in our discussion groups. That's why it's so important that if, if you're not in a discussion group, we would love for you to be. Even if you're just visiting, uh, join a discussion group. We've got three that meet immediately after the services at various places, and then we've got two virtual groups on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights over Zoom. I'm hosting the one on Thursday nights, so if you're not already in a group, just join me on Thursday nights and I'll get the information out to you, okay? But that's where we're going to be kind of chewing on and wrestling with some of the stuff we talk about in sermons. Um, One of my... uh, Uh, The word ecclesiology is a fancy kind of highfalutin word for the study of the church. Uh, Ecclesiology. Uh, When I was in seminary, one of my professors in seminary wrote a book on ecclesiology. It was called From the Ground Up. and His name was Dr. Scott Harrell. He was a fantastic professor. But I love in his book From the Ground Up, which is kind of laying a foundation for the 21st century church, going back to scripture, which is what we're going to be doing He writes this, and it pretty much sums up the whole reason for this current sermon series. He writes, Somewhere along the line, we have lost our ecclesiological map. That is, the the study and understanding of the church as found in Scripture. So he says, Somewhere along the line, we've lost our ecclesiological map, and for that reason, a lot of churches are in trouble as we enter the 21st century. He wrote this in 2003. Our challenge is, in the coming decades, is not necessarily to grow bigger or even to maintain what we have. How counterintuitive is that? Although these may be worthy objectives, rather, and this is his point, our challenge is to better be the church that Christ desires. And again, that pretty much sums up what we're doing. And if you doubt, if you're like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. We haven't lost our ecclesiological map. Just consider how we speak about the church. Think about how you, in like, I'm not talking like theoretically how you would speak about the church in like theological terms and biblical examples. I'm talking about how do we practically every day talk about the church? What do our kids think of when they hear the word church? What immediately pops into our kids' heads when they hear the word church? And I want to show you what I'm talking about. I've got a short little video. It's kind of fun. Uh, So enjoy this video. It's less than two minutes long, but I think it, it illustrates my point. Hunter, can we play that? church oh <laughs> hi mother goose club we're just making a list of all the games you can play with your hands you can play tag you can make shadow puppets and you can also tell whole stories really yeah really watch this here is the church here is the steeple Open the doors, and see all the people. Wow, that's so fun. Let me try. Here's the church. Yeah. Here's the steeple. Open the doors, and see all the people. Yeah, you got it. How about we all try it together? Sure. Here's Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. And see all the people. <laughs> wow, you guys are that really best. Great job. Well, let's play something else now. Okay, you're it. Ooh. Bye. Mother Goose Club Playhouse. Uh, okay, kids, this one's for y'all. What is the church? <laughs> Hannah, what is the church according to the Mother Goose Club? Mother Goose Playhouse. It's it's the thing with the steeple on it apparently, okay? <laughs> right. That's exactly the point I wanted you to take away from that. The church is the thing with the steeple on it. Like this is how I grew up thinking of church. I'm going to go to church. It's a building, it's a place. It's it's a Is that any is that even close to what the Bible says about the church? No. Like this is an example and I It seems slight, like, oh, that's not a big deal, but this frames our worldview. This frames our paradigm of church when we grow up thinking these things, okay? We've lost our ecclesiological map, and that's just a good example of it. If we think of church, maybe it's not a building. If we think of it as a steeple building, you know, with with a white steeple and columns or whatever the tradition was we grew up in. If we think of church as a business, if we think of it as a service, a Sunday morning service or a program, If we think of church as a marketplace of spiritual goods and services, and I don't think we would readily admit that, but that can be operating under the surface, then we have lost our ecclesiological map and we're in trouble whether or not we realize it. But here's the beautiful thing. We can always turn back to the simplicity of God's word for a refresher course in Church 101. And by God's grace, that is exactly what we're going to do over these next four weeks hopefully regain our ecclesiological map. Uh, As my professor, Dr. L. put it, our challenge is to better be the church that Christ desires. And in order to meet that challenge, we're going to have to begin with a really basic question. We're going to have to begin with a question, what is church? And today we're going to look at the nature of the church. We're going to answer that question by looking at it from three different lenses. We're going to look at it in terms of definitions, scriptural definitions, descriptions and depictions. And there's some overlap here, but it's going to give us a couple different vantage points on the church and how it's described to us in Scripture. So first, how can we define church biblically? How can we define it? How can we capture it in a, in a word, a verbal formula? When we see that word church in the New Testament, it is a translation of the Greek term because the New Testament was written in Koine Greek originally. Church translates the term Uh, Ekklesia. And Ekklesia literally means those called out, but it means an assembly of some kind. And even in the pages of scripture, it can refer to a social or a political assembly, an unruly mob or a well-organized political assembly in a a town. But in the pages of the New Testament, it most overwhelmingly, it refers to the Christian church. And when referring to the church, Ekklesia can have one of four different nuanced meanings and this will come up on your screen i think it can one it can be an actual gathering of christians what we would call a church service maybe okay or a prayer meeting or something that can be ecclesia and we see that in 1 corinthians 11 paul writes for in the first place when you come together as a church i hear that divisions exist among you so he's talking about them actually coming together in an actual assembly of christians okay the second nuance meaning a local congregation or, or what we might call a local church. And we see this in Acts chapter 11. We see it all over the place. But in Acts chapter 11, uh, uh, Luke writes, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. The church is at or in a location, a city, the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch where they would eventually plant another local congregation there. The third one, a group of Christians in a city or region. Now, this is interesting. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. But um, Acts chapter nine, just a little bit before that last quote, it says, so the church and mind you, this is singular. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase you see how it can now be a regional church, part of a, a larger geographic area? And then finally, what we would call the universal church or the body of Christ. All the Christians, both living and deceased, that are part of this, this body of Christ in heaven and on the earth. And, and it's a, a not just a global reality, but a universal reality in that sense. Colossians 1.18 Talking about Christ, it says he is also head of the body, of the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So, again, the body is the church. The church is the body of Christ. So in the New Testament, though, even though you can have these four kind of nuanced uh, meanings of Ecclesia, that word most often, I mean, overwhelmingly, it refers to a local community of Christians, what we would call a local congregation whether or not they're actually in meeting or not. But, but that's what it overwhelmingly refers to. So then, what is church? That's our question. Well, a biblical definition of ecclesia that word that gets used, that we translate as church, might simply be a community of Christians existing at a local, regional, global, or even universal level. But it's a community of Christians. Um. So think about that popular children's song that we just saw. And again, I grew up with that too. You know, here's the church and and here's the steeple. Open the doors and here's all the people. Think about that. Let's do it a little bit differently. And I want you guys to follow my lead. This is going to be participatory. So kids, everyone, you're going to do this with me, okay? I want you to go ahead and interlock your fingers, all right? And I want you to put your thumbs next to each other. I think those are the doors or the columns or something. All right? Uh, Now we've... Put put the steeple up. Sorry, forgot the steeple. You gotta have the steeple. All right. Now, what do we have? We've got a bunch of steepled buildings. All right. So everyone, look around at all the steepled buildings. Okay. This is obviously we're in the Bible Belt. Okay. A lot of steepled buildings. Uh, Now, where's the church? Where's the church? Right, okay, go ahead and open up, right, and wiggle your fingers. Wiggle your fingers. All right, my ring finger over here is a member of the local church of Ben, okay? The local church of Ben, I'm a member of that with all these other wiggling fingers, okay? My ring finger is also part of the church of the Brumet family over here, okay? The larger geographic area of the church of the Brummets, okay? I'm a member of that as well, my little ring finger is. But my little ring finger, kiddos, is also a member of the church of the elementary school cafeteria. All the little wiggling fingers in this room are part of the church. All right. And I think that's a good way to think about it. So I hate to mess up and spoil our favorite kids songs, but I want you to think about that. Maybe next time you hear it, you'll think about what is the church and you'll frame it that way. So according to the New Testament, church is not the building with the steeple. According to the, the, uh, the New Testament, the church is not a place. The church is the people that are meeting inside the building, which, by the way, they didn't even have set aside buildings for church meetings until several hundred years after Jesus. I mean, that was like, I think maybe 200 years after Jesus, they started having buildings set aside for, for public worship. They would meet in the catacombs and in the woods and in people's houses and all over the place, Okay. So the New Testament says that the church is the people that are meeting inside the buildings even when they're not meeting. Do you have to come together on a Sunday morning to be the church? To be wayside? No, you can be wayside if you're gathered or scattered. You can be part of the universal body of Christ if you're gathered or scattered. And that's important to remember that. So we can speak of going to church as long as we understand that church is not the place that we are going to but rather the people that we are going to be with. And that's my point there. Church is the community of Christians. And I think by understanding what the church is, we can better be the church that Christ desires. Again, if we think of it as a place or a building, we're going to lose our ecclesiological map. But if we can understand it in this way, we can better be the church. So we need to understand that if we are Christians living in Austin, Texas, we are members of the universal church, the body of Jesus Christ. And we're also members of the Church of Greater Austin. When you talk about the church in Austin or the church in Greater Austin, we are members of that church because we are Christians living in Austin, okay? But we cannot stop there because our communal ties, if we stop at those levels of what church is, are those, tr- those statements I said true? If you're you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your salvation, that He died for you and rose again, are you a member of the church in Greater Austin? Shake your head yes. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Have you been grafted into the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit, baptized into that one body? Yes. Shake your head yes. If we stop there and go, okay, but local congregations don't matter. We really don't need to be a part of a local congregation. Then all of our communal tithes are going to remain abstract. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're going to say we love one another and we serve and we use our gifts to serve other members of the body and all this stuff, but it's, all, it's always going to be an abstraction. Why does scripture so often refer to ecclesia as a local congregation? Why is that? It's because we need to become members of a physical local congregation, a local church, because that's where we are going to experience a concrete Christian community with all its ups and downs. This is why I don't mind church shopping. I don't even mind if people choose not to become members of our church. But at some point, you've got to stop shopping. And you've got to dig in and you've got to root yourself in a local congregation because that's where it, it becomes concrete, that, that community. And again, it's ups and it's downs. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. But you're also going to be blessed tremendously. And that's just part of being the local church in this fallen world, okay? And this is what Jesus wants for every Christian, so that we can live and learn together, so that we can love one another, in order to reveal the reality of who He is and what He's done, what He's accomplished, the gospel. Our local congregations are God's plan A for revealing the gospel in all its glory. So we must become a part of a local church. So, first of all, we can define church biblically by defining the biblical term ecclesia as a community of Christians, it's usually a local congregation but also as the regional or global or even the universal body of believers, both living and deceased. And this leads to our second question. How can we describe church biblically? Okay, we've looked at a definition of that word that we translate as church, but how can we describe church in biblical terms? In a sense, we began to describe church by simply defining ecclesia in terms of Christian community. That is a way of describing church, that it's a community of Christians, right? But the, the New Testament has so much more to say about church. And many scholars, and we can't do this this morning, but there are scholars who have, who have made it their life's work to do extensive studies of the New Testament and then to, to sort of provide descriptive summaries of what the New Testament says about the church. These descriptive summaries. And people have written whole you know, tomes of theological literature on this, okay? So it's been done. So I just want to go over a couple with you just to kind of give you a sample this morning. And I'm going to start with our our Wayside Constitution. How do we describe the church in our doctrine statement in our Wayside Constitution? We say this. um, We say we believe that all who are united to the risen and ascended Son of God are members of the church, which is the body and bride of Christ. Its members are constituted as such, regardless of membership or non-membership in the organized churches of earth. Do I want you to be a member of a local church? Yes. But are you still a member of the body of Christ, even if you haven't, you know, signed on the dotted line with the local church in terms of membership? Yes. Okay. But its members are constituted as such, regardless of that membership or non-membership in the organized churches of earth. That's the local churches. And then we say this, we believe that by the same spirit, all believers in this age are baptized into and thus become one body that is Christ's, whether Jews or Gentiles, and having become members one of another, that interdependence, that unity and diversity that's so beautiful, are under solemn duty to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace rising above all sectarian differences, that's like denominational differences or whatever, uh, and loving one another with a pure heart fervently. And all of those words come out of the verses that are in parentheses after that, okay? So that's a formulation, that's a description. But it's also a mouthful, all right? I, I believe everything I just read to you, okay? But it's a mouthful, right? So here's some simpler descriptions. Uh, I got one from church history. There's a lot. um, But I got one from church history and then some from my seminary professors up in Dallas. So John Calvin uh, in 1536 wrote this. He said, he's one of the reformers. uh, He said, uh, wherever we see the word of God purely preached and heard and the sacraments, uh, that's baptism and the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, Uh, Whenever we see uh, the the word of God purely preached and heard and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution there, it is not to be doubted. A church of God exists. So that's a pretty straightforward description of a church. Okay, Uh, and then Dr. Holstein, who is one of my professors, he kind of based his off Calvin, but he said a little differently, He said wherever you find a group of believers with leadership willing to accept all biblically affirmed responsibilities for care and feeding of that group, there it is not to be doubted you find a church of God. Uh, Let's see here. Dr. Scott Harrell, who I talked about earlier, he writes, the local church is composed of professing believers, because again, is everybody that says they're a Christian a Christian? No. I told people I was a Christian my whole childhood and adolescence. I no more had trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior as the man on the moon, okay? Which is why I kicked church to the curb when I was 16. But when I came back around at 23, I trusted in Jesus. I gave my life to Christ. And so I became a Christian. But just because you say you're a Christian, does that mean you're a Christian? No. So are there going to be people that are associated with, with state churches and, and cultural churches that their family's been a part of forever and they don't understand the gospel and they've never trusted in Christ? Yes, yes. So this is why he says for local churches, because we don't know people's hearts perfectly, he says, professing believers in Jesus Christ who have been baptized, practiced the Lord's Supper, and organized to do God's will. Uh, and then here's Dr. Pine. The church is a distinctive new covenant. He's bringing in some of that language we looked at in Hebrews. Is a distinctive new covenant community formed through a shared experience of the Holy Spirit who was poured out upon believers as a result of the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ. He brings in the, the operation of the Holy Spirit and how we become a part of the church. And then finally, Dr. Spiegel, who actually taught my class on ecclesiology, he, he wrote this. This is, was our working definition in that class. He said the church, and he brings in some of the historic creeds of the church, the Nicene Creed in particular, and he says the church is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and he unpacks all those in other material. And then he says, Called by God the Father, united in Christ, and preserved by the Spirit. There's that Trinitarian participation in the church. And then he says this. That, so that's kind of the global or universal church, the body of Christ. And then he says, A true church community is centered on Christ's person and work, governed by the Holy Scriptures, conformed to the ancient tradition, going all the way back to the Apostles, identified by particular apostolic marks and works, and free from, I love this, free from gross heresy. Can we get things wrong? Yes, we do get things wrong. All of us get things wrong. Nobody has a perfect theological doctrinal statement. But we're free from gross heresy. And that's when we are stubbornly refusing the the truths of Scripture uh, or adding to them. So we're going to talk about those specific apostolic marks and works in a lot more detail in the next two weeks. In fact, that's what our sermons uh, next week and the following week is going to be about, the marks and works of the local church. So we're going to talk about it a lot, but for now I just want to focus on a good, biblically informed description of the church, or of church. So as we read these different descriptions, we begin to see certain commonalities, certain similarities between these descriptions, because ultimately they're all coming from Scripture, Okay. So, for instance, we, we typically see references to a profession, at least, a profession of belief in the personal work of Jesus Christ. That's important for what constitutes a church, is that basic profession of faith. Uh, what, what else do we see? We see unity in Christ. We talk about how we're united to Christ and to one another through Christ. Uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit is usually referenced about how he baptizes us. How we are made to drink of one spirit and we are baptized in one spirit into the body of Christ. Um, We also see references to the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's an important aspect of a local church. Uh, We see uh, the administration of the ordinances, or some denominations call them sacraments, but baptism in the Lord's Supper. Um, Some add to that, the Roman Catholics in particular add uh, five other sacraments. Um, But, we we nevertheless see communion or the lord's supper and baptism and then some level of local organization to accomplish god's will there is some, and it's there are polls, okay there's some people that like they completely eschew any sort of order or organization and they and that gets almost ridiculous that's it gets so unorganized i guess you'd say that it's not even really a local church but then there's people that are hyper 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 organized and that almost gets oppressive at some point so There is some level of organization to accomplish God's will, all right? So we can define ecclesia as a community of Christians, but the New Testament adds nuances to that definition by describing certain features that are held in common by all true churches and also certain realities that apply to the church, the body of Christ. And I I like the simplicity of, of Dr. Harrell's description that we looked at earlier he says the local church is composed of professing believers in Jesus Christ who have been baptized, practiced the Lord's Supper, and organized to do God's will. And every single word in there is loaded with more nuance from the New Testament. But Dr. Harrell, he included this description in that book I referenced. It's called From the Ground Up, New Testament Foundations for the 21st Century Church. Uh, And and when I read that book, I I was actually in one of his classes when I read it, but it absolutely grabbed me from the opening pages. I was hooked from the preface. If you don't read prefaces, you should. His preface was amazing and it hooked me because in that preface, just within the first couple paragraphs of his book, he posed this question. And listen to this. He says, How did our Lord design the church? The Bible, he writes, speaks of a spiritual unity of all who have been regenerated, that is, born again through the Holy Spirit, through faith in Christ. It calls this reality the body of Christ. So now we're talking about the universal church that we become a part of when we trust in Jesus. And he goes on to say the particular expressions of the universal church are found, especially in local churches, and I love this, with all their humanness, Fragility and cultural conditions. And he says, the implications of such simple New Testament teachings are remarkably liberating. I love how he says that. The implications of such simple New Testament teachings are remarkably liberating. Guys, when we stop to consider just how incredibly simple the New Testament teachings about the church are, in terms of what it actually prescribes for us to do and how to act and and how to formulate things. There's really not a lot there. Church governance, for instance, there there are basic principles of of church governance, but how it gets expressed in different cultures throughout the last 2,000 years, guys, that's why not only the gospel can be contextualized to every culture that's ever existed in human civilization, but local churches can spring up in any cultural situation throughout all of human history, throughout the last 2,000 years. Because why? Because scripture is very simple in what it prescribes for the local church in terms of its organization and forms and functions. And I think that is liberating. The New Testament descriptions of the church help us better be the church that Christ desires us to be in this generation that we live in and in this cultural moment that we're a part of. But we have to go back to the simplicity of the foundation that scripture puts forward for the local church. And this means that as a church family, I want, I want to apply this because I don't want this just to be a theology sermon, okay? This means that as a local church congregation, as a church family here at Wayside Communities Church, we can prayerfully together assess how we are being the church. You know that's not off limits? Can I just help you feel liberated by this? Our limits are set forward in Scripture and, and the elder team At our church, myself and these four other biblically qualified men, part of our job is to make sure we don't go beyond those scriptural parameters. But that leaves a whole lot of latitude in terms of how we do church. And that's important to realize. Scripture gives us the freedom to contextualize the gospel and to contextualize gospel ministry in Greater Austin. Is Greater Austin the same as Alain in the United Arab Emirates? No, it's not. And we could go through all the different countries and all the different cultures. okay? And, and we would have to contextualize the gospel and gospel ministry. And we can do that based on how the scripture lays it out. So I, here's my invitation to you guys. All right, Our church family. I invite every member of Wayside to pray and dream with us. Pray and dream with us about how we can better be the church that Christ desires. If we've always done something a certain way, if the carpet's always been red if we've always had pews, if we've always been in a building with a steeple on it, guess what? That stuff's not etched in stone. We don't have to always have red carpet, all right? Churches split, denominations split over the color of carpets. This is ridiculous, okay? And you know it's true if you've been a part of some of these conversations, all right? But we need to do this in a respectful way. I'm not saying we just go in and punch each other in the face with our opinions and viewpoints, There's a way, a Christ-like way to do that. But the point is that if we've always done something a certain way, we can change it. As long as we're not violating biblical prescriptions for the church. And if we want to do something new, if God puts it on your heart and says, Hey, we can do this in the city. Hey, we can do this as a church. Hey, this might help us better be the church that Christ desires. Then guess what? We have the freedom to do it. As long as we don't go beyond those scriptural parameters that are set forward. And I find that incredibly liberating, and I hope you do as well, okay? So, we can define ecclesia as a community of Christians, and we can better understand what our community entails by looking at biblical descriptions of the church. Thirdly, we can get an even better understanding by looking at scriptural depictions of the church, and I chose that word carefully, depictions of the church, images, symbols that scripture puts forward to help us better understand what is the church. So what symbolic images are used by Scripture to help us better understand the nature of the church? Just think of some. They'll pop into your head if you've been around the church at all. We've already talked about some today. There's a whole bunch. But we're going to consider three of the the main ones, I would say. Three of the ones we see most often in the New Testament. That is a household of God or the family of God. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the body of Christ. That's a depiction of the church. And then we're going to talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit or the temple indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So first, the church is the household of God. If you consider all of the family-oriented language in the New Testament, every time you see um, brother or sister in Christ or brethren or like a mother, like a father, all of that family, uh, our Heavenly Father, that we pray to our heavenly father all of that Uh, even in hebrews jesus talks about bringing many sons to glory and my brethren who i will uh, uh speak of in the congregation we looked at that at the beginning of hebrews all of that family language orients around this depiction of the church as the household or family of god and it is the most pervasive depiction of the church in scripture um So look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy, two different places in 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 3 says, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And then later on in in chapter 5, he says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters, and then he adds, in all purity. The church is also the body of Christ, who is the head of the church. We, we see both of those metaphors being used. And we already touched on this earlier, but, but this depiction of the church is so rich with significance, we could do an entire sermon series just on the body of Christ and that imagery. For one thing, the image of a body reinforces the fact that we are united to Christ through faith in him, but also we're united to one another in Christ. It's what we're going to celebrate, uh, part of what we're going to celebrate at communion later. So the body that we're members one of another, this interdependence, this organic connection that we have, spiritually organic connection that we have as members one of another. And all that comes out of this body language Um, Listen to Paul in Romans 12. He says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Let the weight of that reality sit on you, that as a fellow Christian, I am a member of you, and you are a member of me. That there's a unity and diversity in the church through faith in Jesus Christ, through being united to Christ by faith. That's beautiful. And then the church is also depicted as a temple indwelled by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think Think about the cultural context of these Jewish believers but also some Gentile believers. But think like the audience in the, in the letter to the Hebrews, all this rich, you know, uh, 1,500 years of the tabernacle and later the temple. And now Paul's writing that you, the church, are the, are the temple, that you are indwelled by God's spirit. In the same way the Shekinah glory came into the Holy of Holies in the physical temple, he has come into our hearts, both individually and corporately. And we are the temple of God. That's amazing. And he says, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy. And that is what you are. And as I mentioned, there are other scriptural depictions. There's the bride and the bridegroom. There's the flock and the good shepherd, the priesthood of believers and the great high priest, the living stones of a building built upon the cornerstone and the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the branches of the vine, the new humanity and the last Adam on and on uh i wish we could talk about all of them today but all of these biblical depictions of the church complement they don't contradict each other they complement each other and they weave this incredible tapestry that is the church that shows us what the nature of the church is. it helps us answer the question what is the church and it also helps us to better be the church that christ desires uh you've heard a picture's worth a thousand words napoleon actually said something similar. Um, Napoleon Bonaparte supposedly said, a good sketch is better than a long speech. I love that. Kind of makes me feel a little guilty for my sermon some days, but, but I think that's true. A good sketch is better than a long speech. When it comes to biblical depictions of the church, this is true. What do I mean? That the images of a household, a body, a temple, they have a way of conveying so much more meaning and significance then pages upon pages in some theological tome, pages upon pages of explanation, they convey so much more than that. And I think the best thing that we can do to apply biblical depictions of the church is just to simply spend time looking at them. Saturate your heart and mind with the truth and the significance of these biblical depictions. Prayerfully consider their meaning so that they will shape our understanding of God in ourselves. So that the first thing that pops in our head isn't a church with a steeple on it. It's the body of Christ. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the people of God, the household of God. And as that shapes our understanding of God and ourselves, and it's also going to shape our understanding of what it means to be members of the church. And this is exactly what we're going to do in our discussion groups this week. So I hope you're in a discussion group. Like I said, three of them are meeting right after the service. If you're not in one, you can join me. On Thursday nights on Zoom, we're going to look at all these these depictions of the church and we're going to look at what the significance of those are, and it's going to be great. And I'm just going to close with the concluding words of Dr. Hurrell's book, uh, From the Ground Up. He writes this He says, No one can foretell what the 21st century will bring to Western Christianity. A lot can happen in a little bit of time. We've seen that in the 20th century, right? But he says, No one can foretell what the 21st century will bring. To Western Christianity, our, our affluence and freedom may continue to give us enormous opportunities to employ our resources well for the kingdom of God, or perhaps not. Perhaps those resources and that affluence and those freedoms will begin to diminish in our culture. He says this, though. He says, but our challenge is not so much to prognosticate the future, to, to debate what the future is going to hold. He says, that's not our challenge He says, our challenge is to faithfully serve our Lord today, whatever our role in a local church as church planner, pastor, lay leader, or interested participant. Let us do what we can to align our doing church with the true ecclesia of God, he writes. In other words, our challenge is to better be the church that Christ desires. Um, Next week, over the next two weeks, like I said, we're going to look at the three marks and three works of an authentic New Testament church, and I hope you'll be with us for that as well. Uh, let's pray. Please bow your heads with me. Um, father God, Lord, just the fact, that, the fact that we can pray to you as our Father, uh, we get that from the Bible. Um, we get it from how Jesus taught us to pray. We get it from the biblical depiction of the church as your household as your family. And Lord, every time we pray to you as our Heavenly Father, it reminds us, not just of our relationship with you, how much you love us, God, how you want us to draw near to your throne of grace through the personal work of Jesus Christ, through our faith in Christ, but also reminds us of what our relationship is with one another, that we are members one of another, not just if we're married, not just if we're part of the same genealogical descent per se, but because we're united together through our faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what our culture, our language, our socioeconomic status, regardless of any of those human distinctions, we are united together in Christ, and we thank you for that reality. We thank you uh, that we are the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that if anyone in this room or anyone listening on Zoom has never truly trusted in Jesus Christ, maybe like me, they grew up in a church tradition where, Church was just what good people did on Sundays to continue to be good people. Um, That you were a distant God, more of an idea or a concept than a personal, loving God and Creator. If anyone listening to this right now has never believed that Jesus Christ, your Son, was sent by you to the earth to live the perfect life we could never live and to die for our sins on the cross, and, and that He rose again and conquered death and ascended into heaven, that He's seated at your right hand as our great high priest. And that one day he will come again to judge the living and the dead as the old creed says, Lord, if we don't believe that, help us to bend our knee to Christ today and to trust that he died for our sins and rose again so that we can truly be members of your family, members of the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just beg you, help us, help Wayside Communities Church better be the church that Christ desires, not out of a sense of guilt, but out of a sense of excitement and enthusiasm and humble submission to the authority of Christ and His Word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.